Uh, one of the great things that I get to do as a pastor from time to time is I get to cross paths with people that are, that are truly special. Uh, great, great people, great men and women of God that, that love Jesus. And a few months ago, I had the opportunity to travel to Montreal, Canada. It is the most unreached uh, city in all of North America. And um, to meet a church planter there that I've got the privilege of introducing you to in just a moment. So in just a second, I want you to put your hands together in a big way. But before that, uh, this man that I'm going to introduce to us today is an incredible leader, an incredible, incredible man of God, an incredible pastor, pastors, an incredibly great church uh, in Montreal, and they're making a huge difference. Every Easter, we get the opportunity uh, to send all of our offering outside of our church. We've been helping to plant two churches in Los Angeles uh, the two previous Easter's, and this year we're wrapping up that partnership, and we're taking on a new partnership with La Chapelle Church, that's the chapel in English, but La Chapelle in Montreal, Canada. They're gonna be becoming our partner this Easter, and so when you give generously on Easter, every single dollar that we bring in Easter weekend, we send it out, and we invest it in other churches, and, and I'm so excited about the investment into this church, into this guy, I, I really believe in him. And, and he inspires me and he challenges me and he just makes me want to do things better and do things differently. So would you put your hands together this morning for Pastor David Potier from Montreal, Canada. Good morning, church. How are you doing today? Doing good? I'm so glad to be here. Uh, you have a great, great, great church, a great pastor, great uh, worship band. I'm really impressed uh, to be here. Uh, seriously, it's an honor and a privilege for me to be here. I, I want to apologize for my French accent, uh, but you need to know this. I'm French speaking, but I'm not French. I'm a Quebecois. It's different, okay? So if French people get on your nerves, I totally understand they get on our nerves too, okay? That's why we left the country 400 years ago. No, just kidding. Love my French uh, brothers. Um, we, uh, we are so uh, honored to be called Friends of the Creek. Um, you are making a difference already in Montreal. You are helping us uh, reaching the most unreached city in North America. In fact, Montreal is 3 million people and less than 0.5% are reached with the gospel. Can you imagine that? This is uh, comparable to some uh, close Muslim country. But in the last few years, uh, God began to uh, move in an unprecedented way. We had hundreds and hundreds of new people gave their life to Christ. Just in our church in the last four years, we baptized 450 adults. Uh, maybe for here, I don't know. This is great. Maybe for here, that's not that much for us. Montreal, I'm telling you, God is, uh, uh, it, God is moving in the darkest part of the world. I am happily married with my wife, uh, Karine. We are married for 20 years, and uh, I don't want to uh, offend you. I did not get married at 10, okay? We don't do that up there, no. I look younger than what I am. This is my wife, Karine, and this is Anthony, Zach, Leah, and 
Naya. I love this church, but I love your pastor also. He's a cheerleader for us. He's an ambassador for us in Montreal. And uh, I want to, to honor him uh, in front of you, uh, church, because uh, you don't know what you have. It's always like that. Humans, we, we have blessings, but we tend to forget about how we are blessed. And I'm sure as human beings, you forget how you are blessed to have uh, Pastor Trevor as your pastor and to have Allison as uh, his uh, wife because they are really amazing, non-common, great, generous people, really. Uh, really, what, what you guys did personally for my wife and I, nobody ever did that for us, nobody. Uh, so I just want to say thank you. Um, this was life-changing for us. Thank you so much. Can we cheer for your pastor, church? Come on. Come on. Hey, you can do better than that. Come on. My topic today is impossible prayer. What kind of prayer do you pray? Do you pray for big things? Or do you only pray for small things? Safe. Things that are going to happen anyway. Things like, please God, give us a safe trip. That's not a hard one for God, you know. <laughs> Buckle up, drive safely, and you're going to make it, okay? <laughs> Or things like, please God, heal me from my cold. Of course, you're going to get better, I prophesy. In seven days, you're better. <laughs> so I'm wondering if sometimes God is like, that's it. That's all you got for me? I'm God. Challenge me. Test me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we should not pray for small things because, because God is a good father and he wants to be involved in the small things of our lives. Amen? Amen. But we are also called to pray for big things, to ask for impossible things. Now, Some will say, hey, why asking God if God already knows everything? That's a good question. I don't understand all the mystery of prayer, but here's what I know. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us how to pray. And one of the things he said is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know that. So, in heaven... All things that happened are the will of God. But here down on earth, God is looking for somebody to partner with. God is looking for people that would pray his will so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not that God needed to work that way. It's that God chose to work that way because everything God does, he do it through humankind. Always, always, apart the work of the creation that he did alone, all the other things, even the work of the redemption, he did it with a man, Jesus Christ, the man. So, I'm wondering if, That's why James said in his book, you do not have 
Because you do not ask. Because God is looking for you. God is looking for somebody who will pray according to his will so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, to pray possible prayer, you need to pray with faith. But was it faith? What if, was it praying by faith? We're going to look at three principles this morning. Three principles to pray impossible prayer. And the first is in Acts chapter 4, verse 24. But before we read it, let me give you a bit of context. Uh, Here, Peter and John are going to the temple. And there is a lame beggar at the gate and he wanted money from them. But Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And the guy was healed, but the religious leader got upset. They arrested Peter and John, and they warned them to speak no longer to anyone in Jesus' name, and they let them go. So Peter and John went back to the church, and they reported how the religious leader threatened them. And in response to that, they did what they called a prayer meeting. Prayer should be our first response. Amen? In good days, in bad days, prayer should always be our first response. And we have the record of this prayer meeting in Acts 4, 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to prayer to God, to, uh, to, to pray, together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nation range and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers bend together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is impossible prayer. This is big, big faith prayer. Three principles to pray impossible prayer. And the first is in verse 24. It's this. Pray with scriptures. Have you noticed the first thing they said was scriptures related? They prayed with the Psalms. They prayed with the scriptures. When we pray with scriptures, it gives us confidence and authority in our prayers more. In Daniel chapter 9, the prophet Daniel found in scriptures that the period of the exile in Babylon was prophesied to be seven years long. And this time was over. But Israel was still in captivity. Why? Here's why. Because God was looking for a partner to pray his will according to his will that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he find that partner in Daniel. And Daniel began to pray for three weeks according to the word of God for the end of the exile. It's the word that gives him confidence to pray impossible prayer. In Romans chapter 10, the Apostle Paul said, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by 
You know that. Hearing by what? The word of God. So praying with scriptures increase my faith. When I was a young pastor, 23 years old, I made my first ministry trip to a conference. It was in Cincinnati. And um, I, I had never traveled before, and I booked an hotel room. And when I arrived at the front desk, the lady said, sir, we don't have any reservation at your name. Uh, I said, hey, madam, I paid for this room with my credit card. She said, all right, do you have a confirmation number? And I said, what, 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 what is? <laughs> a confirmation number? You know, I was young and stupid. And that day I learned that a confirmation number is a number that confirms your reservation. And I learned the lesson painfully because I had to pay for my room a second time. Fast forward a couple of years later, I'm in Quebec City for a family vacation. And uh, I had booked an altar room and arrived at the desk, I gave my name and she said, Sir, we don't have any reservation at your name. But this time I said, oh no, <laughs> I have a confirmation number. So I don't care if you're gonna have to kick somebody out of here. I don't care if you're gonna have to build a room for me right now. I know that somewhere in your hotel, there is a room for me. Even if I never see it, even if I never went in it, I have the evidence, the confidence, the assurance, the faith that in this hotel, there is a room for the Potier family. Can I get an amen this morning? And I was bold. You know why I was bold? Because I had a confirmation number, right? You know what, friends? We have, you have a confirmation number. The Word of God is our confirmation number. The promises of God are true. And you can pray on this book and say, Lord, this is your will. Your will be done here on earth, in my life, in my family, in my job, as it is in heaven. You see how praying with scriptures change everything? If you don't know how you're gonna feed your kids next week because you're such in debt and such in a difficult financial season, you have a confirmation number. My God will meet all my needs according to the riches of his glory. If you're in pain, if you're afflicted, you have a confirmation number. Praise be to God, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort that comfort us in all. Even that one, even the one you're going through right now, in, in, in all our affliction. If you're lacking strength, you have a confirmation number. If you're depressed, you have a confirmation number. Psalm 42 say, why you cast down my soul and why you're disturbed in me? Hope in God. When you pray, don't pray just random prayers. 
Pray with scriptures. Secondly, pray with perseverance. In Matthew 17, uh, Jesus' disciples tried to cast an evil spirit, and they, could, and they, and they couldn't. So uh, they went back to the Lord and said, Lord, why we couldn't cast this devil? And look what Jesus answered them. He answered this. Matthew 17, 20. He said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, maybe you're familiar with that metaphor of mustard seed and faith in scriptures. And normally, when we think about this, we say, all right, you just need a small faith. You just need a little faith. But I think there's more reason than that why the Lord used that metaphor. Listen to what Pliny the Elder, a Roman naturalist of the first century, said about uh, mustard. He wrote this, mustard, when it has uh, once been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it as the seed, when it falls, germinate at once. Do you get that? Do you understand that? Mustard is a persistent seed. Mustard is a perseverance seed. And when you sow mustard in your garden, you need to take care, my friend. Because if you don't take care, it will outgrow everything else and occupy all the space. In other words, the mustard never give up. <laughs> Where are the mustard people this morning? Where are the faith people this morning, the persevering people, the never give up people? Hey, can we clap for Jesus? He's the one that makes us perseverant. Man. You remember Luke 18, Jesus uh, wanted to teach a parable to his disciple, and he wanted to teach them to persevere in prayer. So he shared the parable of the persistent widow. But he wraps it in a strange way. At the end of the parable, he says this, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Oh, watch this. So according to Jesus, to have faith is to persevere in prayer. So praying people are faith people. Unpraying people are unbelief people, people of unbelief. Pray with perseverance. Don't give up. Be a mustard seed person. Persevere in prayer. My, my parents were prayer warriors. They prayed all their life long. My dad, uh, he's uh, with the Lord today, he would be uh, 86. My mom, she is now uh, 80, 84. Uh, she, she gave birth to me in her mid-40s. I was kind of a surprise, you can imagine. They, I, they were not expecting me at all. Uh, but all their life, my parents prayed and prayed for revival in our community, in our city. And they saw almost nothing. But let me tell you what happened in the last few years. When we launched our church in 2013, we grew so fast that after two years, we were full. 
So we had to plant a second church. Two years later, we were full again, so we had to plant a third church. And several weeks ago, we had our biggest Sunday without Christmas or Easter. We had in the three churches 1,600 people. We baptized hundreds and hundreds of people in those four years. This is amazing. This is unprecedented for us. Can you imagine that? I heard some church planters say, you know, man, church planting's hard. I agree. They say, you don't own my city. Some planters in California or uh, Seattle or Portland, uh, like hard places. And I agree. They say, you know, planting a church in my city is like planting a church in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I agree with that. But you know what? Planting a church in Montreal is like planting a church in front of the gates of hell. But what Jesus said about the gates of hell, that they shall not prevail against his church, that God is building his kingdom in the darkest place in the world, in Montreal, in London, Kentucky, and to the hands of the earth, God is building his church. Can I hear amen this morning? Amen. Amen. But... Somebody told me, okay, what change? Can, how can you explain that? Here's the secret sauce. Here's the secret sauce. We don't have anything special on ourselves. Nothing. But I think we are reaping the results of my parents' prayer. I think... We are reaping where we didn't sow. I think we are dwarves sitting on those giants' prayers that preceded us. And God is answering generations of prayers. Pray with scriptures. Pray with perseverance. And lastly, pray with passion. James 5, 16. I love the screen. I, I think I'm going to bring it back with me in my luggage. I just love this thing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, look at this. You know that verse. The effective, fervent, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you know how this word fervent is translated in my French Bible? It's the word energy. Not boring. Energy. Pray with passion. Pray until you mean it. I discovered what praying with passion was when I was 15 years old. Uh, I grew up Baptist. Uh, uh, how many people grew up Baptist here? All right, almost everybody. You know, I grew up Baptist. You, know, you don't have to be a Baptist to go to heaven. You know that? You know that, right? But why take a chance, you know? Just kidding. Just kidding. If you're new today, that's just kidding, okay? But you know what? We Baptists can make prayer meetings so boring. 
that even the angels don't want to attend the prayer meeting, amen? And at age 15, I discovered what praying with passion was. I was invited to a different kind of prayer meeting. It was a bunch of grandma that meet every week to pray. But they were not praying like Baptists. They were praying like, I don't know what. It was kind of, for my perspective at this point, it was kind of just chaos. And they began to pray. Uh, and some were kneeling down. Some were like on the floor screaming, crying like babies, praying for people they don't even know. And I was shocked. I was like, this is chaos. We, they don't offend the Holy Spirit by praying like this, you know? This is not Baptist at all. What is that? And I discovered after my shock that God was answering those grandma prayers. They, God was moving mountains with them. And I took that and I tried to apply that in my own life. I discovered what A.W. Tozer, the theologian, said. You need to pray until you pray. You need to pray until you pray like grandmas. You need to pray until you pray. So fast forward more, many years later, when we started our church in 2013, uh, I did a 10-day fast in prayer. I fast for 10 days, and my kid also fasted dessert. Not food. I'm a good father, okay? Don't judge me. Not food, just dessert. And they wanted to. I didn't force them. They wanted to fast dessert. So we fasted for 10 days, pray with passion for 10 days, consecutive days. And uh, during that period, I met with a woman, uh, women, woman, just one. Okay, just one. I met, uh, I'm confused with that, those words. Um, I met with a lady, uh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I met with a lady that was supposed to help me find a location for the church launch. Uh, so she said, she was a Christian, by the way, and she said, okay, sir, what kind of uh, location are you looking for? I said, I'm looking for 400 seats. Doesn't matter what it looks like, it needs to seat 400 people. So she looks at me and she said, uh, why? I said, um, I think uh, God will grow that church fast and we need 400 seats. She said, why? I said, madam, we prayed and we have this strong conviction that God will do something amazing. We need 400. She said, why? I was kind of <laughs> mad at her, but I kept my French mask, you know. <laughs> madam. Um. <laughs> so I said, you don't understand, madam. She said, no, sir, you don't understand. Do you know that the average church in Montreal is 42 person, 42 people? I said, yes, I do, but we need, can you help me? She said, no. I said, madam, God will help me. And I just went back and God provide. God provide for 400 seats. It was in fact 465 seats auditorium. And the launch day, everybody said it was too big. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna happen. The launch day, we had 435 people in church. We had people sitting on the floor. Man, this is Montreal. 
But you know what? I really think that my passionate prayer and my kids' passionate prayer and my parents' passionate prayer, God answered them. Pray like you mean it. I'm closing with this. It's a story, but it's more a testimony than a, a story. I have an older brother, and uh, he, he grew up in church like I did, but um, at age 18, he, uh, he left home, and he uh, became what we call a prodigal son. He was partying, spending money, drinking, perversion, every, everything you can imagine. Uh, and um, his relationship with my parents was really, really, really hard, really difficult. Every time he came home, they were fighting, every time. And um, at one point, we had no news from him for six months. My mom was so anxious. There are some nights she just couldn't sleep. Uh, but you know, she always prayed, always. Never stopped praying. She's always, she's praying for me right now while I'm preaching. Um, and she found in scriptures that, that text, that verse, you know, you know that verse, Proverbs 22.6, start children of the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So she prayed with scriptures again and again and again and again, but nothing seems to happen. Nothing seems to happen. Don't walk by sight. Don't look with this. Look with the eyes of faith. Don't look to the appearance. Don't look to what you see. Don't build your reality on what you see. Build your reality on God's promise. So pray and pray, nothing's happened. One uh, night, woke up, anxious, woke up my dad, said, hey, we need to pray for our son. It's been six months, we had no news about him. Is he dead? What's happening with him? We were, had no Facebook pages in those uh, days. You could not just go on Facebook and see, is he alive, you know? Did he post something yesterday? You just cannot. And we were like, no, nobody in her family, nobody had news. Is he dead? She was anxious, so she got up. And my dad was like, man, she's right. We, we need to have an answer. So she, they begin to pray. They kneel down beside the bed. They take each other's hands and begin just to ask God to do something. God, have mercy on our son. God, answer our prayer. We want to know, is he alive? Where is he? Lord, 
have mercy for a half hour. They just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. After this time, the peace of God just came in the room. Peace of God was filling them. And they had this conviction. God will do something. So they got up and they returned to bed. When they put their heads on the pillow, the phone rang. You know who it was? The police. <laughs> Mr. Potier, yes. Are you the father of Alan? Yes. What he did? He said, sir, don't worry. He did nothing wrong. We just wanted to check with you if his car is his car. Because we thought he was really young to have a big car like that. My, my, my dad said, I know he is. I'm paying the car. No, it is his car. He didn't steal the car. Officer, the, the officer said, sir, I'm so sorry that we woke you up. And my dad said, sir, you didn't wake us up. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling us. And he said this, tell my son to come visit us. It's been six months. He gave no news. So my dad heard my brother. He, he heard the voice through the telephone. And he said, I'm going to go, dad. I'm going to go. But you know what? He didn't came. Months and months and months. And one day, we had a call at home. And it was him. He said, mom, I'm in town. Can I come visit you? She said, all right, you know you can come anytime. We're waiting for you. He came. And you know, in those days, my dad was full of faith, but really low wisdom. <laughs> so he, he thought it was a good idea to take the Bible and read to my brother, Proverbs 4, 5, 6, and 7, about the son that shamed his mother. <laughs> it didn't happen great. You know, it was not, no, it was not good. So he got mad and he decided to leave again. So he went outside and um, he tried to start his car. But that day it was so freaking cold. You know, don't complain about weather here, okay? You're, you're, you're great here, okay? There's places in the world that it's colder than here. And uh, so that day was so freaking cold, it was like minus a thousand degrees. So he tried to start his car, but his car didn't start. So it was like, you know, <laughs> what those, and after two minutes of trying to start the car, the battery was dead, and it was like, <laughs> so he got mad, he got out of the car, and he was saying, you know, words about Jesus, but it was not worship, uh, it was <laughs> other stuff, and he came back in the house, and he said, I need to call the garage, my battery's dead, but my low wisdom, full of faith, dad, said, no! You're not gonna call the garage. You're gonna go in your car and you're gonna start your car again. But this time, your car will start. And it's gonna be for you a sign that you are still a child of God. 
and that you need to come back to the Lord and that you need to come back home, go start your car. You know what? My brother didn't thought it was a good idea. He didn't want it to. But my dad, he's six foot three. He was still. He's in heaven. Six foot three. He was 250 pounds and he had this loud voice. So he said, you gonna go start your car. And my brother was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. So he went back in his car. And this time, my dad get outside and he, he was in front of the car like this in t-shirt minus a thousand and my brother get in the car and he was kind of obligated to start it he didn't want to but when, before he tried to start it he just looked at my dad and he did this you know what this means same in French and English okay crazy old man not gonna work and my dad was like this and he started the car but this time the car didn't start the car starts so strongly that we thought it's gonna explode was like <laughs> and my brother was like <laughs> and my dad was like <laughs> it was like this pointing at him like this I just can't imagine how this was like a wave, waves of the unconditional, uncomparable, infinite love of the Father to him. It was a message from heaven. You belong to heaven. You don't belong to here. You don't belong to, his, to this world. You belong to God. But he didn't think the love. He didn't think the love this day. He went back again. But a few months later, we had a call. Because remember, don't look with your eyes. Look through the eyes of faith. A few months later, we got a call was my brother. He said, Mom, Dad, I have a great news. I met some Christian friends. They invited me to church. And I gave my life to the Lord again. And I will be baptized next month. Would you come to see me baptized? And by the way, I met a girl. She's awesome. She loves Jesus. And I want to marry her. Dad, Mom, I'm back to the Lord. I am back home. I'm telling you, don't stop praying. Keep praying. Keep, oh, come on, clap louder in that church. Keep praying. Keep asking. Keep pushing. Because the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. I don't know what you are going through right now. I don't know what those mountains are in your life. Maybe it's like you praying for your husband or wife that is far away from Lord for 20 years and you said, Lord, I'm tired to pray. And Lord say, keep praying, keep knocking. Don't be discouraged. Pray and pray 
and pray. Pray with scriptures. Pray with perseverance. Pray with passion. Because everything, everything we ask in faith, everything we ask in faith, according to His will, He will answer. He will answer. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's in your ministry. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's with your walk with the Lord. Maybe you have an addiction or fighting depression and say, Lord, is there a day that I'm going to see the light? I'm telling you, keep praying. Keep pushing. Persevere in prayer. Be a mustard seed person because you will see the glory of God. We just had a phone call three, three days ago and they told us that the college where we meet with our baby church, they're going to kick us out with a three weeks notice because one person, only one person complained to the city, not that we were making noise, that a faith-based group should not be, no, a Christian group, should not be in this college, so they kick us out, and you know what, we're not afraid of it, we had, we, we took one year to find this location, there's nothing we can see right now where we could meet, one year to find that place, and now we, in three weeks we have to find another place, but you know what, we are not panicking, we are not fearful, we trust God, what God start, He will finish it. Amen? He will. In your life, in this church, and in La Chapelle. Can we clap for Jesus this morning? Church, come on. Can we just, can we just stand together? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If I can, can we just close our eyes? Lord God, I pray that my friends here will not cease to pray. I pray that your spirit right now will fill them, infuse them with perseverance, with passion, with your promises that every person here that have a prodigal or know a prodigal. Every person that is discouraged because they don't see what they asked, I pray that they will keep praying, that they will keep asking. I pray that they will be strengthened by your mighty power today. And I'm not just praying that they will keep praying. I am praying that we're going to see miracles happen. Yes. That there are things that we prayed for years and we, want, we will continue to pray. Some of you are so close. Some of you are just one prayer away from this miracle. Keep praying. Some of you are just one week away from this miracle. Keep praying. Some of you will not see this miracle in your life, but let me tell you, after you, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. God is faithful. God is faithful, and He will answer us 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.